and welcome to this special edition of Just Plain Sense, the Equality and Diversity podcast brought to you from the 5th Annual LGBT Health Summit in Hatfield. Christine Burns, and I'm with James Holland, the Equalities Manager at Hertfordshire Partnership Foundation Trust, who are host- hosting this year's event. James, it's the fifth of these annual conferences. Why is your Mental Health Trust hosting this one? I think uh, 2010 has been a really important year for us in the Trust in terms of LGBT work. Um, we've been very involved in the Stonewall Workplace Equality Index, as well as developing a lot of local um, projects around surveying the needs of, young, of local LGBT people. Um, and I think it was the next step for us to actually show that we can take on this issue at a national level and influence what's happening at a national level, as we've always felt that we were a very well-managed, very forward-thinking and innovative mental health trust. Now, each of these summits has a theme. What's the theme this year? Uh, this year's theme is the emotional connection, healthy mind, healthy body, which is basically trying to highlight the importance of emotional well-being for LGBT people and how that can affect their physical well-being and, and vice versa. Well, it, it looks pretty packed out. Uh, it is. We've been very lucky this year. It's, uh, we've had sort of one of the largest delegations that the summit's ever had, which we're very pleased with. Um, and uh, everyone seems enthusiastic and passionate about being here, which is great. And the facilities are pretty impressive too. Oh, we've been very lucky. You know, Conference Hertfordshire at the university uh, definitely sort of know how to put on a good conference and have been really supportive in helping us uh, hold the event here. Okay. Tell me about some of the speakers and workshops. Uh, well, we've uh, had um, one of the things we found really important is to have that personal perspective. So, peppered throughout the uh, whole of the uh, event, we've got uh, personal stories from LGBT people themselves. Um, but we've also sort of had uh, presentations from national agencies such as uh, Gyres um, and also such as uh, Mind Out, Dying Brighton, as well as National Mind, really highlighting what the current issues are for LGBT people in the country. Who are you? I'm Broxy Rothwell. I was on the steering group for setting up this uh, lovely event here, but unfortunately due to my imminent GRS, wasn't able to be doing a speaking part. Your gender reassignment My gender surgery. reassignment, but that's been postponed, and uh, so now I've been able to attend the event, so that's why I'm here. But it's fabulous, so it's cool. It's, it's a great feat of organisation, isn't it? It is absolutely spot on, and I don't know how they managed it with... Uh, I don't know, it's Hertfordshire, you don't see this in Hertfordshire every day, so it's cool. And what are you hoping to take away? Um, Lots of contacts from other trans people, um, and hopefully a good feeling from from the NHS point of view that they'll have seen us out, and the more of us they see, as they see, the better their services will become. And you are? I'm Suzanne Besant-Rothwell, I'm Broxy's partner, and basically with me here, not only do I support her, we get to cover twice the ground. Excellent. And what do you think you're getting out of the event? Well, as a previously straight person who will be turning lesbian post-GRS, I need some information. (laughs) How do you feel about suddenly being lesbian? No problem at all. (laughs) It's the person that counts. Absolutely. (laughs) And Vicky? I'm Vicky Murugana. I'm here with Liverpool Link. I'm loving the event. I think it's brilliant. Some of the speakers have been exceptional. The people who have turned up oh we've just had so much fun I will say the interaction between the people who have come to the event has just it's made the whole event worthwhile for me (laughs) 
I'm with Tim Franks, who's the Chief Executive of PACE. Um, your presentation this morning has been about some research with your, which your organisation's just published. Can you explain what that is? Um, yes, we did a... Um, uh, I suppose it's a snapshot of the experiences of LGBT people who seek help in suicidal distress uh, in England. We were, we were trying to see... Um, how they had experienced help services. We were also trying to see what what the various different services w- were doing and how ready they were. So we looked at strategic leads, we looked at mainstream mental health services, and we looked at LGBT community organisations. Okay. And do you think LGBT health is taken seriously enough? No, <laughs> broadly <laughs> speaking. Um, I mean, I, I, I think that what we actually have here is, is, a, is a patchy thing. I think what we see is that there are a small number of serious committed places that re- have really got hold of the issue they're really taking it forward um, I personally think it's sad that none of them are in London um, they're sort of Leeds, Cornwall, Brighton you know, there's places all over um, uh, the country and that you, you see that there seem to be places which, which get hold of it and, and say right, you know, this is something we want to deal with most of the rest are doing nothing What's the most basic, simple first step that anybody can take? Um, I think in terms of sexual orientation, I think it's monitoring. I think in order to get monitoring done and done effectively, you need to have a proper change management plan. I think you need to convince people why it's necessary. They need to understand how it can help and what they can do differently. Um, I think in terms of basically creating a friendly um, and accessible environment, you can do that public stuff. You can get a poster up. You can have a place that says, LGBT people, we know you exist. You're welcome here. And you chaired day one of this conference. How do you think it's going? I think it's been great, um, or at least, um, to be honest, when I'm so, I was so wrapped up in making sure things went to time and dealing with the technical problems and microphones and things like that, um, I, I have a dim <laughs> perception then of what was actually <laughs> going on. I, people said some stuff, it sounded very interesting, um, <laughs> but, but as far as I can see through my own kind of nerves and concentration, I think it was very good. What do you hope people will take away? Um, I, I think... In, in a, it's a bit of a fluffy answer, isn't it, really? I hope, I, I hope what they take away is, 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 is personal to them. And, and I hope, actually, that many people take away many different things. And it's the point that connects with them. For me, personally, um, I, I think it's, it's always so powerful to hear the experience of users. And, and hearing the voice of users, whether that's directly from them or mediated... Um, is is a thing and and one of the things that will stay with me from the first day was from Mind Out and from a user saying um, it was at that point that I realised I would never be safe again and I asked myself well how do you live with that? Dominic Davis from Pink Therapy. You've presented a workshop here. Um, Why do you think it's necessary to focus on LGBT health issues specifically? I think LGBT health issues are different to mainstream health issues and I think they're a much neglected subject in, main, in, in the training of health professionals so people generally haven't had very much before and that's why I think it's important to come and try to skill ourselves up and increase our knowledge. It was quite apparent in, in your in your workshop that very, very few people among the councillors present had had any training at all in dealing with LGBT people. Yeah, that's, it's not, that's not, that wasn't at all surprising to me, but it's, it's, 
saddens me that I'm nearly 30 years into this profession and it, the situation is not improving, that there are still hardly any counsellors who get any training in working with gender and sexual minorities during their basic training. And even after a decade of running, over a decade of running pink therapy, there were only two people in the room who had had any post-qualifying training and they hadn't actually been to our staff. Oh, and what are the potential consequences of not having that training? I think people... Uh, that the service users get a bad deal they get uh, uh, misunderstandings they get confused they get uh, confusion they get pathologized they don't get accurate information and so they come away feeling unhelped and and that the person just didn't understand them and i think it's it's incumbent upon all of us if we are working with this population that we develop the cultural sensitivity to be able to deliver the services that we're employed to do and your, imp- and your impressions of the conference overall? I'm loving it. I think it's a really good opportunity for people to get together and to network. I'm enjoying the pre- other presentations and I'm looking forward to the second day. I'm with Tony Fennick now from Schools Out and LGBT History Month. Tony, what are your impressions of the event? Uh, overall, I'm very pleased with the event so far. I think it's been very impressive and very thought-provoking. Um, particularly this morning, we had a very interesting interview with um, uh, Yvonne Taylor, who uh, took us on a personal journey for a trans woman. And I think she opened a lot of people's minds and uh, opened a lot of their hearts, really. It was, very, it was a very moving speech. And then we had a follow-up. Uh, talk from uh, man Tim from Pace who uh, talked about the importance of monitoring which is something very close to my heart because I don't think we do enough of it and I think we find too many reasons not to do monitoring and we really can't serve our communities if we don't know who they are and we really can't help LGBT people if we don't know where they are so it's absolutely essential and I think the closing comment was about somebody who was suicidal and said please don't assume that I'm heterosexual because I kept to keep coming out over and over and over again was certainly very close to my heart and made me think. Why do you think people have so much trouble with the idea of asking the question for, for monitoring purposes? I think they anticipate that they're going to get hostility and I think very often in the first instance they do. Uh, first of all you get the it's none of your business what I do in the bedroom comment which of course they don't understand these people I think sometimes that your sexual orientation isn't about your sex it's not about what you do in bed it's about it's about your identity it's all part of who you are and that's the main thing that I think people, we need to get across to people and the other thing of course is as Tim said when you hear the question are you gay very often if you are it's a prelude to attack you know your experiences of that question means something bad is coming your way Okay, and as of course one of the leaders of LGBT History Month, I've mm. got to ask you how how are plans going for this uh, the, the coming year's uh, month in February two thousand and eleven. Absolutely tremendous. We're uh, focusing on sport for the next two years with, uh, with uh, the Olympics coming up and we're also very concerned, I think, that sport in schools is the last bastion of homophobia uh, because of the changing room culture and the sledging culture and we're also very anxious that there is not enough participation and there is not enough um, activity for the LGBT community in sport and that's a bad thing because it means they're not fit they're not very healthy because they're not getting the access to the facilities that straight people and um, heteronormative people very often are 
okay. and that's a major challenge. And it's, is it a very full agenda for February? It's an absolutely full agenda for February. We've got the calendar up there already. There are already things going on. We've got our pre-launch in Twickenham on the 2nd of uh, November. And, pe- and can people go to that? Yes, that's open to anybody. If you go onto our website, lgbthistorymonth.org.uk, all the information's there, you'll find it. And while you're there, if you haven't already done so, join our mailing list and you'll get a bulletin every month. Lesbian and Gay Foundation. Daniel, what are you here to do today? Um, today we're doing a workshop around um, what gay men are looking for, what they're, and you know, what what they want out of GU services, um, as well as, as sexual health services in general. That's genital urinary services. It is, yeah. yeah. And what do they want? Um, well, I think one of the key points that I want people to walk away with is understanding they want accessibility, they want culturally and linguistically appropriate services, um, and, and, and they want ease of service, I think. Okay. Why is it, do you think, that services just don't sort of get it, that you have to tailor what you do to different groups in society? I think when you look at the very nature of some of the STIs, the reality is that that most of them, many of them, are asymptomatic. Something like HIV is going to be asymptomatic. You don't, if you're not, not feeling well, you're not going to take a day off work to go to the doctors. So you have to have screening programs that, that are accessible um, and normalized within the community. So it seems like just a normal thing to do. You get tested even when you don't not feel well. Okay. And your impressions of the overall conference? Um, I'm really enjoying it so far. I've learned an awful lot. Um, I appreciate the, mental, the overall kind of mental health theme that's happening. Um, I, f- I found that to be really useful. chair of Hertfordshire Partnership Foundation Trust. Where do you think the NHS may be going wrong on LGBT health issues? I think it's a very interesting question. I suspect personally that it's to do with the normal issues around fear of the unknown, around not knowing how to approach lesbian and gay issues, trans issues, all of those sorts of things. I think people get very frightened of knowing what to do and how to do it. And do you think the proposed changes in the white paper may end up being a help or not? (laughs) It's so difficult to know at this point in time. I mean, everything in the white paper. I did a group of carers yesterday who were working on the white paper, and they said, this is meant to simplify it. It doesn't feel simpler to me. Um, and I think it's so difficult to know how it's going to pan out over the next six months or what the eventual legislation is going to look like. I guess we should hope that, it, that, that liberating the NHS should be a watchword for all of us. And how do you think services can be improved? 
Oh, I think services can be improved in all sorts of ways. I mean, just basically, I mean, first of all, by providing much better training for staff on all equality and diversity issues. Secondly, I think actually involving our service users and carers in much more closely in actually what we're doing, why we're doing it, and making sure that our services are both responsive to their needs and accountable to them. And what do you think are the strongest messages you hope people will take away today? Oh, that anything's possible and to keep fighting. Lee Gale, it says on your ID badge, trans bear all. What does that mean? Um, trans bear all, it's kind of a, uh, an idea of having a space for trans people to bear all. So not just physically, but discover who they are really. Um, what trans bear all focuses on are issues around bodies and sex and intimacy. Because um, we did a project a couple of years ago called the Transtastic Men Calendar. And this was in the style of the calendar girls, so we had naked men. Um, and they were all trans men. And we realised that the guys that took part in that got so much from being naked and being photographed and seeing their bodies from somebody else's perspective um, and not just in a mirror. They felt so much more confident, so much more empowered, so much more sexy and proud of who they were that we realised that this was something that was needed for the community. Because mm. a lot of trans people, both trans men and trans women, have uh, body image concerns. That's right, yeah. And, and not just from that fear of who you are and, and you know, um, disgust of your own body or, or whatever that may be, but also from the community itself or, or the wider public feeling that this is what a trans man or a trans woman or this is what a man or a woman should be like. This is how they should act. This is what their body should look like. So we've taken a lot of that on board in our own community, I think, and there's a lot of fear around enjoying your own body because if, if you say that, for example, you're a trans man and you enjoy having sex and being penetrated with the vagina with the vagina but in the vagina then you should you can't possibly be trans because you enjoy that aspect of of what is seen as as being a female part of the body it's a bit like trans men having babies exactly yeah which is is obviously incredibly controversial and and again within our own community a lot of a lot of trans men fear that as well because it, it it can be hard for them to understand why somebody could be male and want to do something that is traditionally seen as such a female role So um, we just kind of want to offer up the opportunity for people to explore that themselves and self-identify and discover who they really are and not who they should be. Have you been enjoying the conference? Very much, yeah. Met lots of good people, um, heard lots of interesting things. Um, did a workshop ourselves, which which went really well, and um, been to pretty much every one of these apart from one. And each time you get to learn something new and meet some new people and do all that networking kind of thing. So, what do you think people should take away from it? I think people should take away an idea of the sort of the LGBT community as a whole. And I th- always find it interesting to come in and listen to some of the things that I don't know so much about and understand a bit more about the different communities within the LGBT because it does cover such a huge variety of people. So get more of an un- understanding of who we are and therefore being able to fight for our rights better and, and do that because we understand who we are and where we're coming from. You are? 
I'm Monty Moncrief from the Department of Health. And what do you think of the event so far? Um, I think it's been really good. Um, it's been good for me to get a perspective on what's happening nationally um, in terms of the NHS. I really enjoyed your presentation this morning, looking at what the, where the levers are to influence. Um, and it's been a really good chance to network. What do, you do, what do you think are the big issues for LGBT people in terms of health? Well, I think um, the, the, the shake-up of the NHS presents its, uh, its own challenges um, and the, um, the, the opportunities that the White Paper presents are going to be interesting to have a look into. There's going to be some challenges and certainly there are some concerns um, around um, provision to minority communities. But I think um, working together with the third sector, with the NHS and, and with the Department of Health, then we can look and see how we can effectively ensure that LGB and T voices are heard within the new structures. So there are opportunities as well as perhaps things that people are going to have to deal with changing? I think there are opportunities, yes. Um, they may not be immediately apparent, but I think there's, a, there's a much more opportunity for the third sector to become involved and for um, uh, perhaps with you know, for, uh, centralised transgender commissioning, for example. And you are? Hi, I'm Tony Montanaro from Derbyshire Friend. And what are your impressions of the conference so far? Um, absolutely refreshing, actually, to look at the diversity in relation to health. Because where I'm from, it's normally either HIV and sexual health, and then everything else is just very little light touches. Whereas here, it's really been quite good at looking at women's health issues, um, domestic violence, sexual assault, and mental health especially, which in my area is often quite neglected. And what are the things you're hoping to take away? Um, more about the refreshing way of trying to engage with commissioners with a bit more evidence. I think the evidence base is getting wider. I really liked uh, Tim from Pace and his evidence and trying to bring it in. But what I really enjoyed was the way people have brought their own human stories into the evidence base. And I think that's going to be a lot more refreshing for commissioners and service providers as well. That's, that's quite a contrast, isn't it? It's not just experts, it's people talking from the heart. Yeah, because one of the things that I'm picking up on, commissioners have all these booklets, commissioners have all these documents, but which one do they pick up? And unless it spells it out straight away, and sometimes you need a mixture of that evidence and the human story as well to make that real difference. You've got the uh, closing keynote speech in the event. Uh, what are you going to be saying? Well, I'm a bit overwhelmed to have the, um, the keynote speech. Um, it's an LGBT event, so I'm, I'm always a little bit uncertain uh, these sorts of events, how to pitch things, because there are going to be lots of people in the trans field who are going to have a fairly high-tech knowledge, um, and then there's going to be LGB who perhaps will have less so. Um, so I'm... I'm hoping to, to address both of those groups. I'm hoping that what I that I pitch it at a level that doesn't um, end up with both lots being dissatisfied. Um, but basically, I'm going to be talking about transition, uh, about the emotional highs and lows of transition, or peaks and troughs, as I've amusingly called it, and, uh, and, and just take it from there, really, and hopefully wind things up, pull things together a bit, since it's the last one in the day. How are things are going in your clinic? <laughs> um... Things are going well from the point of view of morale, generally. Um, 
In terms of waiting times, I think we're all feeling a little bit ground down by that at the moment. Um, we have a whole load, a whole influx of new staff, but it's taking some time for them to get underway, for um, them to start seeing patients, um, and for them to get the waiting times down. But uh, yeah, we're we're as optimistic as ever, uh, given the circumstances. to the end of this special episode of Just Plain Sense. If you'd like to hear more, then the place to go is our website, podcast.plain-sense.co.uk. Join us again soon for another programme on a topic relating to equality and diversity. For now, it's goodbye and thank you for listening. Just Plain Sense is a Plain Sense Limited production. See, see.